How many of you enjoy going to the movies? Um, the thing about going to the movies is that it creates a little bit of expectation to buy a ticket, to consider what you want to go and see. You've seen the trailers, right? It's probably how I do it. I do a little bit of a review on the movie because I don't want to go watch a movie which I shouldn't be watching. Um, so there's a massive expectation by the time that you walk through the cinema doors to see that. And I'm using this as an analogy this morning and asking a simple question. Do we have that same kind of anticipation when we open the Word of God? To say, God, I can't wait to see what story is going to unfold in front of me. This morning, we're going to go into a story which is probably, should be 16 or 18, but today's time, it's probably a PG-13. Um, but we're going to be studying Stephen's worship. The first martyr for Christianity, the first person who was stoned to death and died for Jesus. And uh, I'm going to pray for a minute that God would open our hearts and that there would be an expectation as we study this story together this morning. Why don't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we trust you this morning. include ourselves in that Jesus. Talk about ordinary people and we include ourselves in that Jesus who worship you with all of life. And as we look at your word this morning and understand how some of the heroes in our faith have done this, Lord, I pray that you would speak clearly to us. Lord, I pray for hearts this morning which is hungry for your word. If there's no hunger in our hearts, Lord, that you would come and stir it. Lord, I pray for humility in me this morning as I convey your message. Lord, and humility in each one of us to receive it. And I pray for unity. Lord, as we sing together and we're on the same page in our singing, I pray, Lord, that there will be a unity in our receiving of your word this morning and the application of it from this moment forward. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Stephen's worship is in the middle of a series where we talk about everyday, ordinary lives, according to Romans 12, verse 1, that encourages us to take our eating, drinking, going about to work, school, whatever it might be, lives, and place it before God as an offering. And I was completely... Um, undone this week in studying the story of this man and I was at some point a little bit fearful I'm like God how do I bring this story justice to preach it in a way that we truly understand what happened there so I'm completely surrendered to the guiding of, of God in his word this morning my role is simply to point and for Jesus to breathe life over it through his Holy Spirit so why don't you turn your Bible's with me to Acts. We're going to read from chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 49. But the story of Stephen, it's important to get context before I read this morning, spreads over three chapters. Um, starting in Acts chapter 6 where they appointed several men to serve within church. And when they appointed Stephen, they described him as a man full of the Holy Spirit. And then I'll explain to you a little later what happened to them, but... Coming out of, out of the story this morning as he stood up in the midst of the rulers of those age and he gave a speech which is profound where he shared the history of Israel and the gospel message in such a profound way that it ended up in him being stoned. So we're going to start reading in the final few verses of the speech 
And then over into the story of his stoning. Let's read together verse 49. And he quotes God speaking to Israel. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand to make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, Receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This was one of the most profound moments in the establishing of the kingdom of God and the church in this world. Where the very first person ever after Jesus has come has put his life on display and said, I will die for my Jesus. My life counts for him. And in studying this, I was, I was asking God, Lord, how do we understand it in our culture and context today where so much of our world is westernized and humanized and socialized that we have to pull back all these layers to get to that point. And I, 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 maybe you've asked this question to yourself. If you're at gunpoint, will you deny Jesus or, or will you actually die for him? To these people, it was a stark reality. And what's interesting about this, this passage is that Stephen is described from the beginning as a man full of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pause there this morning for a little bit. Not full of the Holy Spirit to go out and just do signs and wonders. Full of the Holy Spirit to be empowered to worship Jesus even till death. And the second part of what I love about Stephen is that he was a man of power. He displayed the kingdom at every single opportunity he had. And then what I utterly love most about him is where they described him. And when he spoke the word of God, it was with such wisdom that the rulers of the world around him could not withstand it. He spoke the truth so clearly and boldly and definitely by the empowering of the Spirit that the people could not withstand it. They had nothing to say against it, so they killed it. We can't stop this man because what he's saying is the truth. The only way to stop what he says and try and stop this truth is by taking his life. What's interesting to know in this context is that the Sanhedrin at that point, which were the rulers over the city were under Roman law. 
And Roman law did not encourage or in fact allow stoning. So these, these people were so enraged that they took law in their own hands and killed them. This wasn't meant to happen. And it was all a false witness. They set him up in order to kill him. And we're going to see how this story unfolds. That even though he was set up and falsely accused, his last words, his last words were words of love to his enemies. And when I looked at this, I'm like, Jesus, this is, this is a life that is completely surrendered to you. I, I sing it and I, I say, Jesus, I surrender. But the moment life gets a little bit turned upside down or someone comes against me, I take offense and I walk around and I need to deal with my heart because my heart is in a black space. I want to encourage us this morning as a church to move away even from the point of offense. Because we get stuck so in these little things where there's a life in Jesus that is unmatched, where we speak and proclaim his truth so boldly that even if death comes against us, we celebrate it and say, Jesus, I will still be like you and love my enemies. I I thought about this. Stephen could have turned around and said, whoa, you are not allowed to stone me. It's against law. And he didn't. Isn't that so often our response? Try and turn things back. And then I understand why his face shone like an angel. Because he had a revelation of this Jesus and God that no one could take away. And that gave him a resolve and, and a look on his face that even the worst evil could not come against. He was so bold in what he believed. The truth is that he turned to the voices of the world around him said, you are stiff-necked, uncircumcised in your ears. You aren't ready or even willing to hear the truth. And then we see this amazing moment where he confesses the truth as he sees a vision of heaven where they stopped their ears and they started shouting. I remember growing up, whenever my sisters would do something that irritated me, I went like, anyone did that? So sometimes now when my wife points out truth to me, I just go, yeah, 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 and I go the other way because I don't want to be hearing it. But he speaks a truth that they can't resist and they try everything in their power and it said that they were enraged, meaning they were sawn at the heart. They were cut through the heart with this truth. And then the way the Bible describes it, they stampeded like animals to kill this guy. I watched a little clip yesterday on, on the, the movie Acts, which was a follow-up of Matthew and those movies that came out maybe 15 years ago. I wanted to see how they portrayed it, and, and this isn't in, against the movie makers, but it was just like a, yeah, let's kill him, kind of, and they take him, and they were, these people stampeded. it. They ran with an anger and a rage that nothing could stop. Have you ever seen on TV what a stampede of animals look like? This is what happened. They ran with a rage to try and kill this truth. But because Stephen was so utterly surrendered to Jesus, the truth remained. And it was the spark of the dispersion of the church around the world. 
the same time it was the spark of persecution against Christians. But the church, because of that moment, spread around the world. And today, as a church, we owe it to Stephen. We owe Paul, the Apostle Paul, to the prayer of Stephen at the end. Augustine said that. He said, Stephen saw Paul in that moment. He was there. He said, Lord, do not hold the sin against him. A couple of chapters later, Paul has an encounter with Jesus where he says, I don't hold your sin against you. Would you come and work for me? And the church spreads all around the world because one man full of the Holy Spirit lived his worship so radically that nothing could stop it. The story is a, an epic clash of light and darkness, of love and hate, of evil and God's goodness all at once. We see how those in the kingdom of darkness just responded with hate. They responded with anger. But yet there's this gentle, full of the Holy Spirit man who responded in a way that is utterly godly and could only be because of God in his life. And I really think, I want to turn a couple of pages back to Luke chapter 9. Stephen made a decision. He made a decision to live according to these words of Jesus. And I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to listen to it with your hearts, not your heads. And this is Jesus speaking. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Whoever wants to follow me, not just the first apostles, neither life, take up their first disciples. Whoever wants to follow me need to deny their life, take up their cross, and walk hard after me. And this is the essence of the life that Stephen lived. Jesus, I live for you and you alone. You are my all in all. All of my passion, all of my affections, everything in life is centered around you and that's the way that I'm gonna live. So that when he was faced at death, he says, this is just my body that is gonna kill, but my spirit is alive in him, so why do I even worry about this? They can kill the body, but they can't kill the truth. And the spirit, and I want to go back to what Ricky said. That is what it is to worship God in spirit and truth. To stand so strong in knowing that my spirit is alive in Jesus because I am a new creation in him. And I'm going to stand for the truth that if someone comes up and give me a massive smack through the face. Doesn't matter. Because Jesus, I know where I am with you. And there's three things that we see in Stephen's worship that I want to encourage us with this morning. How do we apply this? The first thing is that Stephen had a single source. Nothing else fueled him other than the power of the Holy Spirit. Not opinion, not another book, 
not a nice song so that there's emotion and because of the emotion I can now respond. Nothing else fueled him but the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit and the way it was described there, if you study it a little bit deeper, says that he was fully occupied with the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit had control and full control over his life. That even in his last few moments, we don't know how long this lasted. All that came out was the Holy Spirit having control over him and nothing else. We talk about the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And I think what we've done in today's church world is we we do it so much about the gifts and the doing. Where the empowering of the Holy Spirit is for your life of worship. It gives you the ability to get up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to live in such a way where you are centered in everything that I do. That comes by the power of your spirit. Because in our flesh, in our bodies, in ourselves, we don't want to do that. But if we get to know that there's a power in the Holy Spirit available to us to live our everyday ordinary lives in an extraordinary way, we will see our worship be like that of Stephen. He was described multiple times as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just a prayer moment and a little bit of an experience and then he goes on. No, in every conversation, filled with the Spirit to respond in a way that is honoring to God. In every thought, filled with the Spirit to respond in a way that is honoring to God. That's the life that we are called to. Yes, we fall short, and yes, it's difficult, and there are the days. I had a day like that on Friday where I needed to pick myself up. And the only way I could do it was saying, Jesus, here I am now. I'm hungry, I need some bread. I need some, something to get through this day. And the more I rested in him and said, Holy Spirit, empower me for what I need to do, that's what he did. Stephen knew he had only one source. He didn't call on his friends, on Nicanor and and Timon and those guys who were called to serve with him. He didn't say, Eugene, I'm going to get killed. Why don't you come and save me? He had no other source but the Holy Spirit. And, and we have an opportunity week in and week out to get that, to be filled like that. Yet, my encouragement to us is, will we wait till that final moment where we fully accept the gift of the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our helper, who intercedes for us, who comforts us, who give us the ability to live this Christian life, why will we wait when it's available to us day in and day out? So the first thing this morning in our lives of worship, where is your source? Or where are your sources? What have you been drinking from or relying on where you should have simply just pulled the carpet underneath that and say, all I need is the empowering of the Holy Spirit for this life. The second thing, and this is incredible, is that Stephen had a single focus. I'm going to read it to you again. When they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. The word gaze means to look intently and steadily. To find your focus in Christ in such a way that even while there's stones flying to your head, you don't shrug away because you're seeing Jesus. That even though there's voices outside 
saying, whatever it says to you, you don't, you don't pull back because you see Jesus. You're gazing into the eyes of Almighty God, into the fullness that Jesus has for you. And regardless of what happens around you, you will not fall away. You see Jesus. Your gaze is sure and steady and on Him and on nothing else. You don't want the voices of your friends right now because Jesus is enough. You don't want is he looked at one thing because Jesus is enough. That's the way Stephen did it. Is he looked at one thing. And while his enemies and evil's eye were on him, he said, I'm not going to stay you back. I'm going to look to where my root is and my sources, and that is Jesus. And he starts practicing what he preached because a couple of verses before this, we saw it. He said, God is in heaven, and this is merely his footstool. So I'm not going to deal with things at footstool level. I'm going to put my gaze in Jesus in heaven. Isn't that profound? What do we gaze on these days? What do we look at? What do we consider when we are faced with trial? When we just wake up in the morning as our gaze on Jesus Christ, the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. Don't worry about that, Pete. Are we just simply looking at him? He didn't face his enemies. He just looked up into, about Jesus in something incredible. When you read about Jesus in heaven at the right hand of God, it speaks about him being seated. Yet, in this moment, it speaks about Jesus standing. And all it could leave me thinking and anticipating was, I thought about the message I shared a couple of weeks ago about headwinds of hope, where Jesus knew what his disciples were going through, and his hearts were probably for him, interceding for them, praying for them. How Jesus was in heaven and, and probably he wanted to let Stephen not experience the earthly pain that he's going through right now. And he was ready to go down and rent open the heavens and save him from it. But he knew that Stephen had to go through that for the sake of the kingdom. And that Stephen is going to step out of that moment into something far more great and glorious than this earth. And I asked the question, where is my perspective? Because if it's on this world and only on today and tomorrow, God. It's in heaven and eternity with all the angels and the glory of God. How else than living a life which is filled with joy and love and rustigheid and peace? Because my gaze is on Jesus. We try and stare the enemy in the face sometimes. Someone offends you, you, you want to run and go sort of thing. That's pity small in comparison to the glory that we can see with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Stephen had a single focus. And then the final point of my message this morning is that Stephen had a single pursuit. He had one thing that he wanted to live for and that was the love of Jesus Christ. And he was so utterly overcome and overwhelmed as we sang this morning by the love of Jesus that while big rocks were thrown at his skull crushing it not a small little pebble just we don't like you big skulls stones crushing his skull while that is happening 
He looks at his enemy and he says, I love you with the love of Jesus. And he prays. He said, I want to be like Jesus who prayed. God, forgive them and do not hold the sin against them. Where they threw hate, he responded with love. They picked up another stone of hate and he responded with love. Every single time until his very last breath. And that's the essence of this life that he lived. That even though he was stoned to death, Stephen worshipped God until his very last breath. And I just, I read it and I'm just, God, do, do I even come close? Because when the winds and waves, it's just so hard. I, it's so hard to do that. It is just so hard. But surely I look at this guy's life and that's what I want. I want even my last breath to be an opportunity of worship. You might have heard this question before. You might have asked it. What happens if you walk over the road and you walk in front of a bus? Do you know the story, how it goes? And right before the bus hits you, you utter a swear word. Anyone heard that thing out? What will happen to you? I even want to move away from that. When my eyes are so fixed on him and I'm so filled by the spirit and my pursuit is him and him alone on this earth, nothing else, the other things are benefits and side things in the walk of, with God. And that, and that is everything we have on earth. Food, a place to stay, family, those are benefits to focus Jesus and Christ alone. And I want to make my focus not the benefits I want to make my focus Jesus and Christ alone. Because when I do that, regardless of what happens with the benefits, I am secure in understanding what my life of worship looks like. So I'll say that again. Even while Stephen was stoned to death, to death, he worshiped God with his very last breath. He said, I have one more opportunity to honor Jesus in this body, so I'm going to take it. My very last opportunity to honor him. Let me have it. Please. And he looked them in the eye and he said, forgiveness. So this morning, as I shared this with a lot of passion, because it's been deeply challenging to me this week, I want to ask you these three questions. Again, what's your source? Your life of worship is dependent upon the source of life. And if it's the Holy Spirit and he's empowering you day in and day out to live this, I think this community will look much different. Because you know what? If, if Pete comes and he does something that I don't quite like, that's okay. Because the Holy Spirit has given me the ability to forgive him and to move on. If, if I know that when Joseph He's going through some difficulty. You know what? The Holy Spirit has empowered me to then go and do something to him and mean something for him. Maybe that's the challenge in the church today. Is, and I say the church, not us. But it's because we don't have 100% of us saying we are fully empowered by the Spirit of God for daily living. What would the church look like if that happened? 
That in every scenario, in every time you do your work, in everything you do, and everyone you speak to, there's an empowering of the Holy Spirit, a single source. It's available to us. It is. Second thing is what do you gaze upon? Do you gaze upon that mountain or do you see Jesus standing behind the mountain? Think about the psalm. It says, I look up to the mountains, the problem, the challenge. He was speaking about a road that needs to be taken over a mountain which is difficult and full of crime and a whole lot of other things when you go and study that psalm. Where does my help come from? Even though I've faced this mountain, I see Jesus standing above it. He is the maker of the mountain. He is the maker of heaven and earth. So why do we look at the mountain? And Stephen did this. He didn't look evil in the face and he's challenged. He said, I see Jesus standing in his righteousness and in his justice and his authority behind my challenge. And that is where I'm going to put my eyes. And then the last thing, what do you live for? What do you pursue? A little bit more comfort. May I say this? If you pursue the kingdom of God, your comfort is going to become less. It's, full in, it's in the Bible. The more these guys ran after Jesus, boy, their comfort just became less and less. So what do we pursue? Do we pursue him and his kingdom? Or do we pursue the fleeting, temporary offerings of this world. And that's how he responded. He only pursued Jesus and his love. And that's how he responded. So in our walk of everyday, ordinary lives, let's ask ourselves these three things daily. Am I sourced with the Holy Spirit? Is my gaze upon Jesus? Am I focused on him? And what am I pursuing today? And then as, as a means of response this morning, I want us to close our eyes and think about what I just shared. The typical approach would be, Brian, come join me, and there'll be a little bit of a tugging of guitar strings, but at the same time, we tug at our heart's emotion. Stephen didn't have a band accompanying him into heaven. He didn't say, whoa, wait a minute, let the worship team come and join me so that I can strengthen my resolve. He didn't even have that. He didn't have a guitar with a lovely delay pedal that makes it sound nice and encouraging. The things that we rely on in this worship, I'm sorry if I sound a little bit strong on these things, but it's often the things that we rely on in this Western environment that we've created. He simply had an option and a decision. Will I look at Jesus and will I take my very last breath and still make it about him? And he said yes. So Lord, I pray this morning as we quiet our hearts and we take a moment to consider your word that you would speak to us clearly about our walk with you. Lord, that we would be a people who are so sure about where our, our source lies, that we would be a people who say that the things of this world stand to the side because we've got you in view.
and that we would be like a people who say, even to our last breath, Lord, we pursue you and we want to be like you. Jesus, we think about your words and your invitation. Come and follow me. But if you do, you've got to lose your life and not try and hold on to it in this world. Because if you do, you will lose it completely. But if you find it in me, you will find life everlasting. Lord, I pray for us as a body this morning that we would be a people like that. Who put aside the things of this world which is strangely dim in light of your wonder and grace. So I invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to every heart here this morning on how we can live this life of worship in absolute surrender and abandon to you. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And as they were stoning him, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. Lord, let this be a new way of living for us, knowing that we are free because our spirit is free in you. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just leave here this morning saying, well, that was challenging or encouraging, but that your word would be a seed in our hearts, that you water by your Holy Spirit, and by the continuing preaching and hearing of your word, so that it will take root and become a tree of life in us, so that we too can bear fruit in your kingdom, and that the living water we drank here this morning will be shared with our world. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.